For sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. And it's me, Jay. So this is episode 13. And if you think that we do this every two weeks, that's about 26 weeks, which is half a year. So, Jay, we are coming up on our half-year anniversary of this podcast. How does that make you feel? Well, um, we haven't uh, we haven't started living together yet, so we've still got some ways to go. Um, and you know, we've, well, we've have met each other's parents, so that's nice. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I, it was a little weird at first, you know, spending the night at your place, but you know, once you, once you get past hanging out with a dog named Bo, you're, you're, we're, we're good. So yeah, yeah. For, for half a year of, uh, really quite possibly some of the most, uh, in-depth, informed, intelligent and uh civil discourse in terms of this game i i don't think i've ever been part of something that's more grand so absolutely uh not to mention humble oh yeah 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 humble humble's humble's a good thing we are the humblest people you will ever meet <laughs> that's a key part i don't know if anybody remembers that one of the key definitions of humble is you have to tell people how humble you are it's not um it's just not something that you um screw up well exactly i mean that's why shakespeare invented the word humble brag yeah <laughs> all I, those years ago all right so uh, to get started jay jay wanted to do a uh, a very long in-depth segment um so i'm gonna le- i'm gonna let him introduce it folks i know it's been bearing on a lot of our minds here and we needed to talk about it because quite frankly i don't think the planet could move on until this issue was resolved but this week, I'm introducing the Is Austin Matthews Gonna Play for the Leafs Tonight? And guess what, kids? The nightmare is over. The answer is yes. So moving on to our next segment, uh, Pete, what do, what do we have in store for the kids? <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, our second segment we have here is um, 38 years ago, and I'm thinking about this, and as you get older, what I found is you don't always remember exactly what age you are. You know, you're like, <laughs> huh. I mean, I'm I'm around 37 or 38, and then you have to do the math. It's like, let's see, I was born in this, and it's now this, and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, so I am 38. So right about the time that I was being born, a classic moment, you know, like uh, if you watch like ESPN classic, um, you know, and they have, you know, your, your 1986 you know, Mets World Series, you have your Billy Buckner plays, you know, you have your um, your Bobby Orr flying through the air. And 38 years ago, a iconic moment, an iconic moment in the history of the NHL happened. And I know Jay has some fond memories of this. Hedberg had a great scoring opportunity. In tough luck, hit the post flush on. With an extra skater on the ice, he just calmly came out and took a shot toward the goal. 
Intercept. Open net. No icing. There's the shot. Stopped by Gresner. 12 seconds to go. One final gasp for the Rangers. Esposito's got it! the game will end oh man it was just like yesterday i was just a mere glint in my father's eye and mike milbury decided that the only way to settle conflict was to in fact leave the slick frozen surface from which he is supposed to be restricted to and go into the stands and decide to fight his fellow man with his own footwear that's right folks Mike Milbury, uh, known boob, uh, decided that back in the day, uh, the only way to get to where you need to go in terms of winning a fight was into the stands with skates on. Like, he cared not for any person that he was uh, trampling on. Started to go. Look out. They got sticks, too. At somebody in the crowd. O'Reilly's after somebody in the crowd. Oh, this could be bad. Oh, there go the Bruins. Oh, you hate to see this. The fan grabbed O'Reilly's stick. But the worst thing the players can do is to go in the crowd like this. Um, I mean, if anybody can draw any comparisons recently, think about Ron Artest getting the beer thrown in his face at the at the brawl at the Palace, slash the Malice at the Palace, if we want to stick with the boxing nomenclature. But, uh, yeah, this, uh, Pete, it's it's really one of the best. It, it cemented itself already as one of the greatest sports bloopers slash... Um, biggest uh, craziness uh, in the stands that you could even possibly uh, even like how did it happen Pete like how do we (laughs) like you almost think like oh geez how could this have possibly like what did we do to deserve this in like the best way right like I didn't know I was this good for Santa this year so yeah I I just I love that part of it I mean you know, grow, growing up as an Islanders fan, I have some very, some very negative memories of of a Mister <laughs> Mike Milbury. You know, so so even more so than you know those of you who um, have to put up with him when the you know the team that you follow is on NBCSN, um, which for the Red Wings seems to happen far too often. You know, for our our various rivalry games against teams that. We may or may not actually have a rivalry, a rivalry yeah. with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we I mean, have our own extensive discussion about like what was the what abacus is inside NBC Sportsnet that they use to calculate what constitutes a rivalry. <laughs> it's absurd. Yeah, and I mean, recently I had to recap a Red Wings game, and not only you know not only was Mike Milbury there, but he was doing the color commentary during the game. So it wasn't just like I could, you know, just mute the television during, you know, during the uh, the intermission report and not have to worry about it. But I mean, come on, you got to be kidding me. Like it, it, it's bad <laughs> enough the way that Detroit's playing. It's bad enough the way that they're losing. And now I have to listen to Mike Milbury, somebody who should not be in hockey, somebody who should not be paid to have opinions on hockey based on his track record of running a franchise into the ground. Yeah. And, and it's, I, I, again, I can like, I was just looking and, and I know everybody can't see this right now, but like the fire, the fire tears that was coming out of Pete's face as he was describing that just now were like, uh, like, I don't know. Like it's, it's like, uh, it's like Roy Batty and Blade Runner. Like I've seen, I've seen warships off the shoulder of Orion. I've seen fiery tears emit Pete's face. 
Like, like Milbury is not very good at things, and yet we continue to reward him like he is. So, um, I don't know. Pete, would you say, like, that's his... That's his most, like, I don't know. I feel like all of his moves as the Islanders um, goon, like, I feel like those are his defining moments, but I don't know. Like, you don't you don't make your name unless you have one catalyst moment, and I feel like that that's it. Like, do you think, did, pe- did people know who Milbury was before the shoe, right? Like, <laughs> like was he just, oh, he is an upgrade, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a good guy, that, that Mike Milbury. Like, do you think he had, like, a clean slate, but then, like, the shoe happened, and then, like, like Destiny, like, star-crossed lovers, his, his fate was forever changed? Well, I mean, you know, he was, you know, he, he was a, um, I mean, this is before my time, you know, but he was, you know, he was a fairly well-known player. You know, he wasn't like a superstar or anything. He, um, he was a coach for the, uh, he was a coach for a while um, before he, w- before he became a general manager. In fact, I think there was one time where he fired the coach when he was Islanders general manager, and then he took over behind the bench. And I mean, I, I've, I've kind of blocked these memories out of my mind and I don't really feel like, you know, going to, uh, you know, do a lot of research on this. So I'm just going to leave it with some basic stuff there. Yeah. But, you know, so I mean, like, it's not like, you know, it's not like he's, uh, you know, somebody who just came out of nowhere. Like he does have a background in the league, but like I said, like his, his background, especially as a, as a general manager is, is not very good. (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's funny because i like how pete and i there's like please listen to the intonation in our voice when we say things like that he's like he's really not very good like we're past parody like to look at it to even assign any sort of positive value to his to his career it doesn't <laughs> it's laughable like you it's almost not even it's not it's non-threatening anymore so oh god just that did we bronze the shoe I feel like wasn't that that was one of the gifts we gave out earlier this year, right? From our first ep- one of our first episodes, the the um the welcome the welcoming thing we gave to Vegas. One of them was the bronze shoe. So I, I haven't think seen so. it. Yeah. Now for those for those Vegas uh, enthusiasts out there, there is one of the famous um, <clears throat> gentlemen's clubs that has brass uh, 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 entryways that you know it stays shiny because so many people touch. Uh, these these statues of these uh, famous Vegas uh, entertainers, and I feel like the the bronzed shoe from Milbury, you could probably see yourself for for eons <laughs> by how many times people would touch this shoe. So I'm glad that that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I know I know we've talked about in the past, like in the episode we had Ken Daniels on, we talked about announcing and things like that. Um, but I mean, it's just. And, and and this is this is kind of one of those like preaching to the choir things. Like I don't think any of our listeners are going to be like, "Wow, this is <laughs> this is really new information." But I mean, it's <laughs> if you take a step back, you know, because I think it, it's it's kind of like you know the analogy with the frog that's in the in the pot of boiling water, and you know if you you know if you if you put it in a pot of boiling water, it's going to jump right out. But if you put it in the pot of cold water and you slowly heat the water up you know it's not going to realize it until it's too late and i think i think we've kind of normalized just how bad nbcsn's announcers are um <laughs> i mean i'm i'm mainly talking about the in studio um although i think you know pierre maguire i think we can throw in there as well <laughs> you know um you know cuz i mean doc and eddie uh 
obviously they, they you know some people really like Doc Emmerich some people can't stand you know his, the way he announces a game but you know I you know the two of them together I'm 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 definitely fine with them but then you add in Pierre Maguire and then you have you know Jeremy Roenick you have Mike Milbury um you know Keith Jones is is by far the least of the issues here you know he's he's nowhere near <laughs> um Roenick and and Milbury but right. it's just uh, I don't know. Like I said, I, I think I think we just kind of we just accept. Well, well this is going to be bad. This is just not going to be good. And I think it just kind of shows the contempt that they have for their audience. Either that or like like like. Do you think do you think NBC just doesn't know how bad it is, or do you think they just don't care? I'd like to think it's a mixture of both. I, again, I, I just wonder what the focus groups are, right? Because someone has to look at it. Someone has to evaluate the product. I mean, Doc Emmerich is really the, the only shining uh, good part of any of these broadcasts that they do. I mean, he's, he's he, you know, everybody knows him. He has his own style. This, this is, again, like you said, it's not new information. But literally every other part of the broadcast, it just, uh, just, oh, my God, I don't. I would just love to sit in on one of their focus group things and just hear what people are saying because these cannot be people in touch with reality. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I, I don't know, Pete. This is – I mean, we could go on for hours. But, you know, again, in order to move forward, you have to let go of the past as a certain movie recently taught us. So it's important to look back and see that, you know – at every possible moment, Milbury that he could have redeemed himself, he just went the other way. <laughs> yeah, you are right. And I think, you know, because, you know, we will be talking year end stuff a little bit later near the end of yeah. the show. Um, you know, but, you know, once you get to the end, uh, you know, you have some, you know, New Year's resolutions, etc. And I think, you know, like you said, I think I'm going to take a cue and I think I am going to try in the new year to do less of attacking what I hate and more of defending what I love. Boom. That's that's good. I, like I, I just came up with that off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, 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 you did. Yeah, you really did. Moving on to our again, Emmy, Grammy, Tony, Peabody and Oscar winning segment interviews with important hockey people. Today, we offer uh, a an olive branch, a, a, a bidding of good tidings to a a young man by the name of Chris Watkins. He is a longtime Blackhawks fan, but he also writes for, uh, actually writes about the Rangers and the Lightning. He also writes over at that little tiny uh, engine that could, that is hockey graphs. Uh, he is, uh, he created a free agent valuation model, which in this day and age, we need to value these free agents, all right? They're just undervalued all the time. <laughs> and uh, he's also working on an NHL trade machine, which is fantastic news because. Uh, it was just seven sh short years ago that one of the NHL video games offered me. I didn't propose the trade. It offered me Daniel Briere for Kirk Maltby. And I accepted, <laughs> and the game spat in my face saying, you got to be kidding me with this trade. So I need a trade machine that's been updated fully so we don't <laughs> run into something like that ever again. Uh, you can also find Chris at uh, his Twitter handle, which is at YOLO underscore Pinato. I assume that means you only live once, Pinata, because really, Pinatas do only live once. But I'm sure there's a far deeper meaning behind that Twitter <laughs> handle. So, uh, Chris, welcome aboard. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure, pleasure to jump on and, and talk shop with you guys. 
fan freaking tastic. So um, I wanted to uh, we've we've got some uh, you know our 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 generic questions, our our, <laughs> our minutia type things. So we'll start off with one of the hardest questions we've ever had to ask people is. Why do you like hockey, and what got you to write about it? <laughs> <laughs> Why do I like hockey? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so I sort of got started in hockey. Uh, uh, I was actually it was around this time, maybe 20 years ago exactly. Um, if you remember the PlayStation 1, the original PlayStation came with demo discs uh, in, in the package. Um, and if you had the right magazine subscription, you would get a new one every month. And so at the time, I got the NHL 98. Uh, whichever year the uh, the Panthers made the Stanley Cup, that was the one I had. I think it was the, versus the Avalanche, and so hmm. uh, you only could play against two teams. It was five minute quarters, uh, and then they kick you out the demo. And so I just played that for hours on end. And I hadn't <laughs> watched ho- hockey except for any uh, anything uh, except the on Sports Center. Um, the Blackhawks at the time were blacked out because uh, Bill Wirtz was a penny pinching uh, miser that wouldn't show home games on on lo- local TV. <laughs> Uh, so, so I just played the heck out that game. I was like, Hey, this game is pretty fun. And I had grown up, my household was a, a Chicago Bulls household that was in the uh, peak Michael Jordan years. So, you know, it was my only introduction to hockey. And that was basically the only way I actually sort of, uh, interacted with the game was through video games. And, the, you know, fast forward about 10 years or so, I'm going to school, uh, in Atlanta for, uh, at the time computer engineering, but then I was too stupid for that. So I switched to history. Um, and started covering uh, some sports for um, a college newspaper. And uh, uh, the editor had some tickets to the Thrashers game, went there, loved it, loved interacting with the fans and sharing my random knowledge of every single uh, random draft po- prospect that they had that had traded, you know, the year before to the, the Penguins as I was building my video game dynasty. And, and from there, it's <laughs> been, you know, a, a love affair uh, without compare. So, <laughs> Yeah, so... Um... Pretty much every episode of this podcast, we end up talking about NHL, you know, the EA Sports NHL. Um, part of it is, <laughs> is we, we, we are we are desperately trying to to get some type of sponsorship from them. Um, but sure. also just because, you know, Jay and I, I mean, it's we're, we're kind of the same way. Like we grew up on these these video games. You know, I'm I'm old enough that I can remember the the first NHL, you know, NHL th- 93 i think it was like nhl pa it wasn't even oh NHL yeah, yeah 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 and so um you know what do you what do you think about the games now as compared to when you're growing up i mean they're a lot more realistic but you know are <laughs> they as much fun as when you're younger or like what do you think you know i, I want to say the first first game i played was uh it, it, there was a mario lemieux uh game that came out in, in, in like 92 that was Ooh, the first one i played yeah. uh that was on nintendo uh, two buds. I don't remember that one being all that great, uh, and that's probably why it's not as well remembered as the NHL '93, '94 uh, yeah. uh, years. Um, and then actually, the the year um, where I actually started really getting hockey full time and playing like nonstop was actually I wasn't playing the EA series. I was playing the 2K series mm. um, that just had a better soundtrack overall. <laughs> uh, once that once they lost the license, I, I reluctantly converted to EA. And I've been playing nonstop basically for the past three or four years. Um, it, in comparison to when I was growing up, I mean, I would say the trade logic is slightly more complex. Um, <laughs> but usually at the end of the, my first year of my franchise, I think right now I have Conor McDavid, Jack Eichel, uh, <laughs> and, and Eric Carlson all on like 
the same team and stuff and still have $20 million in cap space uh, every year. So <laughs> it's a little bit more complicated. It takes a little bit more time to get to that uh, perfect team. So usually I, because I win a Stanley Cup every year, uh, my goal is to usually get 100 ratings for offense, defense, and goalie, which is actually a lot harder to do than uh, win a championship every year. Um, so it's a little bit more complex. But it, it gives me false confidence that I would be the world's greatest NHL GM if I were given the shot. Uh, so I do enjoy that aspect of it. Um, as far as the gameplay itself, um, I think it's a reasonable uh, representation of actual on-ice hockey. Uh, but, you know, that's not – I spend most of my time – uh, trading all of my over 26 boards anyway. So I don't actually play the games as much as I probably should. Man, I, you saying that uh, gives me flashbacks. I remember the 2K hockey games. I, my favorite thing about those was they had, you could play as like the old time teams, you know, so you could play yeah, as like, yeah. Play, yeah, the old time Canadians and the, you know, the Islanders and the dynasty and the Oilers. I mean, that, that was super fun. Yeah, and, and, and quickly on that, like the one thing I, I always joke about, even as the NHL is going through its centennial celebration and celebrating its history, I I feel like the NHL in comparison to like the if you think about the NFL and the NFL films and they have the dramatic music and the guy uh, John uh, I forgot the guy's name but the voice of God you know sort of uh, narrating that and they just make the olden days seem really cool. I have no idea about what happened before like <laughs> between 1920. In 1980 in NHL history. And I don't think the NHL does a good job of that. I, I do think those historic teams would be a great introduction for newer fans like me, but uh, it's, it's really like, all I know is like Dick Tapper and then Wayne Gretzky happened like 20 years later <laughs> and then Bobby Orr somewhere in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At some point, Bobby Orr went soaring through the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's, like, it's almost like just a, a really broken version of We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel, where it's <laughs> yeah. like... Uh, Dick Clapper played a game, then other <laughs> players came, then Gordy Howe played, then Wayne Gretzky played. Like, it is, right. there, there's obviously some stuff in there, but <laughs> yeah, Leonard Bernstein. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, just we're, we're we'll re, we'll write that song, and Chris will bring you in on that because yeah. I think we, okay, there's, yeah, there's a parody song yeah, could, to be written. <laughs> I, I, I could I could drop a verse on the remix, no problem, man. So let <laughs> yeah. me know. <laughs> Um, so Chris, actually, um, uh, I like how we're just all taking turns doing briefs of sites. Um, I'm glad you brought up the word stuff because what's funny is, um, uh, I was also living in Chicago at that time and, uh, my dad was actually part of the, was actually one of the producers who was in charge of the first pay-per-view games from <laughs> Chicago stadium, which is, re it's really funny to, to actually talk to other people who experienced what a draconian <laughs> environment that was because like like think about it for a moment it's like if the team's playing at home you can't watch unless you're at the game and like right you'd like to think that maybe from okay i understand from like a capitalist standpoint and like driving sure. up interest sure that like kind of makes sense but you realize that every team has greater than seventeen thousand fans right <laughs> it's not like you know everybody has the season tickets and can just go to the game and then all of a sudden you're you're stuck with just having to listen to it on the radio or whatnot. So, yeah, that was, you know, if there is ever an, an an ESPN thirty for thirty that would I think could be made, it was, <laughs> you know, like watching hockey when it's next door, you know, because there's no right. like, oh, I can't get in, but I can't watch it on TV. And then pay per view stuff happened, and then, you know, it's it's again the the advent of the regional sports network and the television rights. Mm -hmm. 
you know, as as crazy as it may seem right now, like in comparison to what we had to deal with in Chicago for a while there, it was like, are you like, are you kidding me? Um, so, yeah, dollar, uh, dollar bill works, man. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad that, again, in our solidarity amongst words, <laughs> we had to suffer through that age. Um, so, uh, Chris, I wanted to ask you about um, this little thing we like to call trading star players. It's it's a yeah. it's a. It's not a subject that everybody likes to talk about, right? It's it's sure. very low key, no research done into it at all. So I feel like you'd be a good person I mean, to bring it back. To I didn't even know that Matthew Sheen was on the trading block. I had no idea. <laughs> it came out of nowhere. Yeah, you know, yeah. just uh, just surprise everyone. Uh, yeah, like I, I, to be honest, uh, when that trade actually uh, went down, I was off the grid for two weeks. I was. Uh, in Africa with no Wi-Fi for two weeks. And so uh, I had all these people asking me what my opinion was on the Matt Duchesne trade. And I had, I'm like, what the hell are you not talking about? Uh, <laughs> and then I saw, <laughs> and then I saw all the back and forth. I'm like, oh, because I thought it was just a rumor at the time. I'm like, I've been hearing about this for quite some time. And uh, and yeah, uh, just craziness overall. Uh, but uh, I'm glad it finally went down. At least when the time, I don't even really care about the transaction itself. I just wanted someone to, either you know make a transaction or get off the pot uh i don't know how family friendly the podcast is but uh that that, that was my reaction to it yeah we, we 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 just ran that by our by our sensors where that, that, that yeah. they, they approved that one um too big time, so so, yeah. so what i was wondering because like when when teams trading their star players i mean obviously it's still mm -hmm. a, a roll of the bingo balls about at mm -hmm. what point do you because this was pretty much you know this is the Gretzky trade in and of itself every single time because it's like, okay, so he's at a certain apex. He's going to ask for yeah. X amount of money. Yeah. Do you flip him now and keep everything fresh and all that stuff? Or do you just hang on to him until he's completely bled dry like a sour grape? And then you have to try and find <laughs> another diamond in the rough, a.k.a. you have the first pick awarded to you seven out of ten years. But anyways, that's a different story altogether. Right. But <laughs> So, like, is it – is uh, – like, do you? This is this is what stinks because it's kind of like a hard question to ask because it's like, is is enough information information available now in order to correctly discern when that person might start to take the dip and then you start shopping mm -hmm. him, or are we still just lost in the woods and we are always just gonna like, oh well, he's good enough. I don't think he'll be that good <laughs> enough next year. I'd like to have good enough players next year. Let's trade them. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, it's uh. I, I would say this, and this is something that I it really popped out to me as I was doing a deep dive into this. Um, and so the models, uh, just a quick explanation. I'm not going to go through the model itself. Uh, there's going to be a write-up on Hockey Grass uh, uh, next week uh, where people can deep dive. But cool. uh, one of the one of the models I, I used was uh, uh, Dawson Spriggan's uh, Don't Tell Me About Hearts uh, uh, war model. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I was looking at that and just looking at just – looking at every player on the team, what their war is, and then summing it up and then seeing, you know, how likely it is that, that, you know, number predicts that if, if they will win a cup or not, or if they will make the playoffs or not, um, you would think like, okay, the more, you know, if we think of war as talent, just basically the more talent I add, you know, that's proportional to how much I win the cup. So, you know, and so if I add, you know, if uh, 100 war gets me a cup, if I add a, a, a 10 war guy on my team, um, you know, then that will increase my chances to win a cup by 10%. Hmm. Uh, what I actually found is that it's more of an S-curve. And so what you see is, uh, for the teams at the bottom, adding a guy, even so if Arizona added Sidney Crosby, for example, 
that doesn't really increase their chances of winning the cup in the next five years. Actually, what it does is, is it, it reduces it because um, Sydney is going to pull them out of the basement, uh, so they're not going to get a one pick, but there's not nearly enough talent on the team to, uh, to actually compete for a cup. So adding a guy like Sidney Crosby for a team like Arizona doesn't make any sense because it just doesn't fit to the long-term game plan of uh, what would be best for that team um, in their current state. And so when you think about a trade like, you know, trading for Matt Duchesne and giving up Kyle Turris and a lot of other uh, assets, that trade probably, if you look at it from the outside looking in, doesn't make a lot of sense because Ottawa, yes, they made the conference finals last year, but most people who are not in the Ottawa uh, uh, Northern Ontario region will probably say they're not anywhere near a cup contender. And so that actually uh, shrunk their window, the contending window, a little bit more. I think we do have the analysis and the information to, to really understand that. But GMs are also driven by things that are not just about the on-ice product and the end result. You know, uh, as everybody knows, for Ottawa, for example, playoff revenue is a key uh, driver of a lot of the decisions that they make. Uh, they are not inclined to make it go for a rebuild because you know they're missing out on eight, you know eighteen million dollars in playoff revenue that keeps them, uh, the team in the black or as much out the uh, out of the red as possible. So you know those are the things that we have to sort of keep in mind. Um, but I do think there's a lot more information than there was 20 years ago when you're talking about oh, I'm going to trade Chris Chelios or uh, you know give up on uh, uh, Patrick Waugh because he's mad at the coach and the GM. You're never going to get equal return for those guys. But, you know, you could at least say, okay, well, you know, Colorado probably made out pretty well in the Matt Duchesne trade because all of the assets fit with the timeline of the team. So I think the information around those transactions is a lot more uh, available now than it was before. Uh, I'm just not sure the GMs are using it to the full capacity. Um, So the NHL franchise has done a great job. The video game franchise, uh, to me, I just call that the first pass where – if the team, if the video game doesn't let you make the transaction, as a GM, you probably shouldn't be doing it either. But hmm. you know, that's my two cents. Well, I mean, you know, and the NHL side, all you do is like, oh, that doesn't work. How about this and a fourth round pick <laughs> and a yeah, fifth yeah. round pick? <laughs> you know. Just keep all the stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, actually, in the trade machine, I have a, have a uh, to that point, I have like a multiplayer tax. Basically, yeah. you can't trade pennies, a hundred pennies for a dollar, right. uh, and, and hope that it works out. For that very reason. But yes, uh, you can't do that in the video game, which is great. Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad that you mentioned the uh, the human aspect, you know, from the, you know, the general manager, the owners, um, you know, because I because I do think it's, you know, it's, it's definitely clear that that does you know, you know, that, 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 that does have something to do with it. And, you know, I think that's obviously a good thing to, you know, to be looking at. So, you know, I'm glad to hear that. Um, so along those lines, you know, for, for Red Wings fans, they've been um, <laughs> frustrated the last, you know, the last few years, cause it's been pretty clear to most people that, you know, the team needs to, you know, at least do some type of a rebuild, you know, they can't keep doing this, you know, we're going to rebuild on the fly or whatever. Like, like we can't do that. Um, and, you know, it seems pretty likely that, you know, they won't be able to ignore it any longer. Um, so sure. since most of our, our, our listeners, at least at this point, are, are Red Wings fans, I think I would be doing them a disservice if I didn't ask, what, what are your thoughts about Mike Green? What do you think would be a realistic uh, return for Red Wings fans to hope for, you know, without being like, you know, without, you know, getting too overconfident or too pessimistic? Well, first yeah, of all, but, before you, sorry, I, sorry to interrupt, Chris. I, I really just need you to answer the question with, he warrants a Connor McDavid return. Just <laughs> if you can just say it that way, 
then then we we could be fine. We'll edit it to make it sound like you didn't just get prompted to answer it that Got way. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely a Conor McDavid jersey or a, a replica bobblehead uh, uh, would definitely sort of get you in the ballpark for a player of Mike Green's talent and, and contract status. Uh, but um, yeah, he's a, they're in slightly different uh, stratospheres in terms of trade value. Um, you know, so Mike Green is an interesting sort of uh, uh, case study. Uh, uh, so basically, quickly, the way that the trade value looks at it is if that player hit the market right now, which it, Mike Green is about to do at, in the summer anyway, what would this person get on a five-year contract? Now, obviously, every player in the league isn't worth a five-year contract. Tyler Bertuzzi is lucky to get a one-year uh, year contract uh, every day, but it's just an easy way to sort of do the math. Um, so when I look at Mike Green, um, what my numbers come out is he's a little, he's about a four, four point two, four point three uh, million dollar player right now. Um, so a little bit uh, less than we met currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of gets you uh, in terms of prospects. That sort of gets you sort of a second tier prospect. Um, a, an example would be like a Kyle Connor in Winnipeg. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of someone else who would who would really sort of stand out from that standpoint. Uh, you know, maybe an Alex Debrinkat, you know, and uh, if Chicago really decided it wants to go in and had enough forward depth and their uh, their back end wasn't uh, up to snuff. Um, so there's a little bit of that there. Um, but for for Detroit, the issue is they literally have no capacity to bring back any salary uh, for a Mike Green trade. Uh, because when you think about uh, Dylan Larkin's contract being up, uh, 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 his ELC being up this year, uh, when you think about Anthony Mathis' uh, con- uh, contract being up, uh, there's really no uh, wiggle room for them. So they can't bring back any any uh, salary. So they really need to look at, you know, a team that has some assets is willing to sort of go above and beyond uh, to sort of make a run for the Cup this year and really is viewing Mike Green as a rental. I don't think anyone's viewing him as a long-term play. You just don't want to invest in a 33-year-old defenseman for longer than three or four years and especially give up significant assets for him to do so. Um, another couple guys I would look at, uh, you know, maybe like a Tanner Pearson in LA, um, you know, it, it ultimately, ultimately at the end of the day, the, the issue with the Red Wings. And so, um, the other thing that the trade machine tells me is, you know, it creates evaluation for each player. And then also looks at their contract and says, you know, if a player's getting paid $8 million a year, but he's only worth $6 million, that's $2 million in dead money. Hmm. Uh, the Red Wings have by far the most dead money in the league. <laughs> I don't believe Basically it. Twice as much, twice <laughs> as, much as, as the next closest wow. team. Uh, oh, and, and the worst part is all of those contracts are full no-trade clauses. Uh, most of those contracts are full no-trade clauses. Uh, and so they are in probably the most intractable position in the league, where it's like if you can just get anyone – I would almost want nothing back from Mike Green as long as someone agreed to take on one of those contracts. You know, if you can go to the, one of those guys, ask, you know, uh, someone to take on, uh, you know, I'm trying to think who's, you know, I, I don't even know. I, it, there's so many of them that I can't even remember, like, who who would be the worst out of the worst. Uh, but even, like, taking them back a Nicholas Cronwall contract or something like that, I, I don't know. But, like I said, those sort of second-tier prospects, maybe a, a, a Ryan Strom-level player you know a little bit older player um those are the ones i'm looking at um kevin hayes from new york uh like nothing really sexy or inspiring but <laughs> at least something to move the needle and be a little bit better and align with the timeline of a dylan larkin going forward so sorry i could not you know make <laughs> kind of david appear out of nowhere 
Uh, but it, it's kind of I, I feel bad for Ken Holland, but then he also put himself there, so I don't feel bad for him at all. Hey, I, I'll tell you what though, um, you did make me feel a lot better because you, you know you said Ryan Strom, and I mean if we get Ryan Strom, we could turn around and trade him for Jordan <laughs> Everly. So right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Transitive property. So, exactly. so, yeah, if A equals B, you know, <laughs> then B equals C, then you, yeah, yeah. So, exactly. It's, uh, it, it's, it's a pretty rough situation overall, man. Oh, yeah. I still think that there needs to be some sort of uh, league mandate that you are obligated to trade with Shirelli once throughout a season. <laughs> I, yeah, Pete, uh, I, I mean, I think, Pete, you agree with me on this one. I, you know, it'd be nice to, to, you know, just have an automatic deal waiting for you. But, yeah. you know, I, I, again, uh, McDavid jokes aside, I mean, it is tough to try and figure out what's exactly to be expected from us over, you know, either how much we're going to unload or try and, you know, get, get in return. I mean, I, I'm always curious if it's like, okay, so we have a top tier defenseman. Are we trading him sure. away to get defense or are teams more willing to get rid of an abundance of offense if they have it just to like, kind of like sweeten it or it just, I don't know, like immediate impact. Like I feel like green helps somebody, now and then you know you know I, it just seems like with the way the, the market's been going right now like what like the the weber suban trade it's like yeah pretty much nothing changes yes one team goes to the cup final and the other one doesn't but like you know i feel like any deal that detroit's stuck into right now it's like hey these are all deals that like yeah someone else is going to have immediate impact but then the stuff that we get it's like we have to figure out what to do with it it's just rough <laughs> Well, yeah, and that's the thing. So, uh, so a few weeks ago, I I it was uh, on on the Rangers blog that I write for. I proposed some hypothetical Ryan McDonough trades and and said very clearly, only in case of emergency. You know, let's not go overboard. I'm just throwing this out here so you guys can see what uh, would be available if McDonough ever hit the market. And I got so much pushback from Rangers fans, and obviously, you know, it's understandable. Someone offered trade Duncan Keith, for example. Oh, yeah, no, never. You know, even if it's for McDavid <laughs> and Carlson uh, in a package deal, like, no, I will never do it because he's hard to solve the team. So I understand it. Uh, but the thought process was, well, those guys won't help us win now. I'm like, those are winning now anyway. So, <laughs> you know, the, and, and the best part about, when, you know, the way that the lottery system is set up or, or, or the draft system is set up is we don't win immediately. You actually get better prospects going forward uh, because your draft pick is better. So even if those guys don't immediately pan out, that's probably a better thing than being on the cusp of the playoffs but not actually making it. So, uh, you know, with all that aside, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to sort of step back from the ledge as a fan and, and be as objective as possible, which is the whole point of a, creating a model to do it for you anyway. Sure. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, I have I have I have a, a, one more question. Um, you know, we might sure. be able to do another one after that. But um, yeah, yeah. Like 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 I was saying, but like before we get started, I was like, you know, we usually do about a half hour, and like when we get to the end, it's gonna feel like, oh my god, like I could go another <laughs> three hours. So. Um, so this is a combination of be, me being a, a good investigative journalist. Well, not sure. investigative, but I don't want you to be scared. Um, and also, uh, you know, <laughs> here, here for sure. Yeah, I, I, did, I dug really deeply into your past now. <laughs> um, and also, yeah. you know, here for sure, we, we really like to to try to, you know, help people realize their dreams. Um, so uh, <laughs> a few days ago on Twitter, um, on, on December 20th, you had a tweet that said, um, starting my own hockey podcast where I just play future songs in the background <laughs> and occasionally 
constantly make fun of each team's fourth line. So what we can do is, if you're familiar with the term with the with the backdoor pilot, where uh, you know a TV show will introduce a character and uh, then try <laughs> to spin them off. Um, I figure, as a service to you for being our guest today, um, if you want, if you want us to, to rant about a couple fourth lines for a few minutes, I can throw some some future in the back, and then uh, you know, kind of use that as your proof of concept. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We can start with uh, you know Toronto's. Uh, you know, there's always a lot of consternation about that. Uh, I'm not even sure Chicago has a fourth line. I just feel like they play Kane and Taves and, uh, you know, aside, you know, 40 minutes a game. Uh, who else would be a good one? Uh, the Rangers would be fun, and obviously Detroit, uh, because I feel like outside of their uh, their young superstars, uh, basically every forward on there is a fourth liner anyway. So, you know, if you want to throw on some feature, we can we can uh, harp on it as much as you want. <laughs> <laughs> that's good i like that yeah I, well i i'm just i'm, I'm just curious because like when i think about my fourth line i mean again it just it peed and i and i think i said this to you the other day i was like wait there was a guy named wilson on our team for <laughs> like what two weeks yeah i'm really is, i'm, I'm like, really upset about that trade because i do the uh i there's this this website called ranker and every game we we have a post where we have it's like rank them and you can like you know do like dylan larkin up or down or you know jeff blashill down right. down 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 every game but um <laughs> I, that, that seems to be what happens and so i i was having a, a lot of fun with scott wilson and i kept putting up pictures of different Wilson. So I had Woodrow Wilson one day. I had Owen Wilson <laughs> and Luke. And, and I didn't get through all the ones I had. Um, I had Wilson from Home Improvement, like the neighbor that you, you never see his full face. And and I had like five more and then they traded him. So I was really upset about that. That's the value of a good <laughs> yeah, fourth I line. Mean, I mean, it, it, it's funny. So actually one of, the, one of the things I'm coming out with, hopefully at some point in time, uh, I see my boy Darren Helm is nowhere to be found. Uh, in any of my stuff, uh, uh, what happened to him? He's still playing. Well, I, he's like honestly, he's having he's having a pretty good year overall. Um, his big thing, though, his his main problem is that he's really good at getting the puck, like like you know, intercepting right. the puck, stealing the puck. Then he's really good at skating really fast the other way, and then when <laughs> he gets near the goal, that's kind of when it goes off the rails. Uh, it, it's like right. that kid in the Mighty Ducks, right? Where he was super fast and he would just like slide sure. into the goal. Oh yeah, Mendoza. Yeah. yeah, that 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 that's his that's his main problem. But um, actually, he had a really nice play today where he uh, he stole a puck at center ice and uh, and 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 led the rush the other way, or uh, not not led the rush. He got a pass going the other way. So I said, you know, he's you know he's not a superstar, but you know he's actually having a pretty decent sure. season. And, and so Darren Helm is, is my ideal ideal fourth liner, and actually. He's part of my all-time fourth line, uh, video game fourth line uh, uh, forwards. Uh, it's him, Mason Raymond, if you remember him. Mm, yeah. Uh, and, then, and then Andrew Cagliano. And he's just like, all, all guys who have the same exact problem you talk about with Darren Helm. Straight, <laughs> amazingly, in a straight line, uh, if they ever actually get to the puck. And then it's the other 80% of the game that they have the issue with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, to me, that's fine. And one of the things I'm actually coming out with research on is, does it make sense uh, – I've been having a lot of back and forth on Twitter about uh, uh, quality of competition for for top lines and top players. Uh, I've argued that top players actually face much weaker competition because they get tons of offensive zone starts. Uh, the defensive coach wants to make sure that their fourth line uh, is out there so they're not wasting their own offensive players in, in a defensive zone start. 
And so basically, uh, Connor McDavid is always facing a, a second or third line at the very least and not like the top defenseman. Uh, and so I always say, like, it doesn't make sense to maybe have just a fourth line that their only job is to just shut down, you know, shut down these top line centers, get the puck up to, to their own zone. And that's literally the only job they do. Uh, well, I'm coming out with some stuff on that next month and happy to, to do a deep dive into the Red Wings. But, uh, uh, yeah, I'm all about the speed on the fourth line. I, I hate the fourth line grinders because uh, that was my job when I was playing. Uh, and so and I knew I sucked. So I, 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 I feel for those guys. But, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's definitely a change of dynamic throughout the league. Uh, I don't know what Future Song references that particular thing because uh, Future is all about the – you know, the scores and, and uh, being flashy and, and all about the self, but, uh, you know, happy, happy to come back on with, uh, with, uh, some, some funky tunes, uh, next time. Absolutely. That would be great. <laughs> um, Chris, so I was wondering, um, and maybe you, have, if you have any insight on this, when are you guys going to get an outdoor game? <laughs> oh, the Blackhawks. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. No, I just feel like we never get any of the credit that we deserve. I feel like we're always overlooked by the NHL. Um, you know, it's just like, whatever reason, uh, you know, a, a tiny little outpost uh, by Lake Michigan and, and just can never get any national TV coverage. Uh, you know, it's never like our, our star players are on any of the commercials or on the, you know, NHL broadcasting. When they named the list of uh, in the top 100 NHL players, they only named three of our current players. It, it was just a travesty overall. Um, so I don't know what Gary Bettman has against us. Um, but that's probably the reason why the NHL revenues haven't grown in like 10 years anyway, because there's just not enough Blackhawks on TV. So, you know, once, you know, he gets his head off his butt <laughs> yeah. area uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, starts to starts to show more Alex DeBrincat and, and more Connor Murphy on a day-to-day basis, then, then you know, we'll see the NHL uh, sort of replace the NFL as uh, the, the world's most hated league. So, yeah. you know, get up on that, Gary Batman. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Like, I thought it was a travesty when NHL Network came out with their captain's list and Taves was only number seven. That was that was a, like a, just a slap in the face. But um, I, I was wondering where Robert Lang was and Sergey Kasanov and all those. I know. All those guys. I mean, yeah, and, and yeah, Taves. Like, come on. I mean, I, I know like Mark Messier won like five cups for like half of those with Gretzky. And did you even hear about when he was with the Canucks? Like, yeah, they even bring that up. Like, Taves has been loyal to his team for 10 years and has been like by far he was on team Canada for God's sake. So yeah, I don't know, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, so Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, like I said, I mean, like we could, we could go for another hour and and we will, we'll definitely (laughs) have you back on in the future. Cause this, this is a lot of fun. Um, so, uh, so listeners, uh, Again, if you want to uh, if you want to uh, follow uh, follow Chris on Twitter, it's at Yolo Pinato, uh, and so it's Y O L O and then underscore P I N Y A T O. All right, so so definitely give him a follow. I, I follow him on Twitter. There's a lot of good stuff on there. Um, so Chris, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you too. All right, so we got a special bonus for you this uh, this episode. We have. First of all, we have our first two-time guest, and this is also the episode that we we have two guests for the first time. So, um, welcome back, Dan Saracini from Lighthouse Hockey. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Uh, so, the reason that we wanted to have you back on is because the there was some really big Islander news this week, uh, bigger than has happened in a very long time. So, um, the short version, I'm just going to say the short version, you can tell us a lot more, is that... 
Um, it appears that there's going to be a new arena built in Belmont Park for the Islanders. And obviously, you know, it's not like they're going to move in immediately. It's going to take a while to build it and everything. But it seems to be pretty good news. So, so Dan, so, so what's, what happened? Like, what are the details and why are Islanders fans excited about this? Um, well, basically, uh, there was uh, Belmont Park. Obviously, everybody knows from the Belmont Stakes, um, which is, you know, obviously one weekend a year. But there's a ton of space over there that hasn't been utilized in decades and it's owned by the new york racing association it's on land that's you know run by the state or owned by the state i guess so um so they wanted to do something with it so they put out a request for proposals and i don't want to say that the uh the fix was in from the beginning or the wheels were greased or the skids were were greased or any of that kind of stuff for the islanders but it they want to make the state and the New York Racing Association wanted to make Belmont Park uh, a real destination for people all year round. So they wanted a hotel and shopping and an arena and all that kind of stuff. And they found a team that needed that kind of stuff in the Islanders. And so they, the Islanders put in a, a, this proposal. Uh, NYCFC of the MLS also put in a proposal, but theirs didn't include a hotel and, and included a bunch of different stuff in different places. And so the Islanders won, their, won the RFP. Uh, one, their their bid was selected, and basically they now have the rights to build their own arena complex uh, at Belmont Park, and uh, and yeah, it is exciting. You know, I'm I'm uh, dialing back, I'm holding back, withholding a little bit of excitement, only because, uh, like you said, this isn't going to happen overnight. It, it is going to take some time. Uh, you know, these things. It's uh, John Ledecky, the, the co-owner of the Islanders, says it could take 20 months from beginning to end to build this arena complex. That sounds pretty optimistic, so we'll see. But, you know, they do need to start. There's, like, environmental, you know, surveys that need to be done and things like that. Uh, and so you never know. But this is the closest the Islanders have ever come to having their own state-of-the-art revenue-generating arena on Long Island. It's, it's right on the border of Nassau and Queens. Uh, some people would argue that it actually is in Queens by a couple of inches, but we won't <laughs> listen to them. Uh, it's not Brooklyn. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's exciting. You know, it's, it's cool. And, you know, it's hard to not let your mind wander about all the cool things that, that they're going to have there. And the renderings are awesome. Like they've got Islanders flags hanging everywhere. And, you know, it looks like it's going to be almost like an Islanders village, which is something that I know I, know I never thought would ever, I would ever see in my lifetime. So, you know, they have the runway to do that now. Yeah, I mean, I think as long as they uh, they don't involve the words lighthouse or project anywhere. In <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's, you know, even Ledecky said, like, building in the Northeast means, you know, worrying about the weather and worrying about, you know, lots of different considerations. There's already people opposed to it for whatever reason. And some of them have legitimate beef, some don't. Um, but, you know, the, one of the things that makes me positive, feel positively about this is Scott Malkin, who's the Islanders, other co-owner, he, his, uh, he, lives in England. He's an American. He's actually from Queens. And uh, his whole thing is building uh, luxury outlet malls. Like they build these, you know, an outlet mall, but for like high end luxury items. And these pop up all over Europe and Asia. So the guy knows a thing or two about getting like a large project built and up off the ground, you know, on time. And so uh, they've also partnered with Sterling Equities, who are the, the owners of the Mets, who also built City Fields. And Ledecky says they built it on time and under budget. So you know, there's, there's, and obviously a lot of people want this thing to happen. So again, I am reserving a little bit of excitement, but it seems like this is as good as chance as any, and and it's probably going to happen. Yeah, I was reading today uh, that the 
Um, it, it's it's going to be. Is it going to be all privately funded? Well, the the buildings themselves are going to be privately funded. Okay. Uh, it's a billion dollar project, and you know, again, it's not just the one building, which was you know what they basically wanted in Nassau County, where the Islanders used to play. They you know that, and the problem is that kind of thing isn't going to make you any money. So this is a, an arena. It's got a retail village. It's got again a hotel. It's got entertainment centers and all that kind of stuff. So that part is going to be privately funded. Mm. What probably won't be is there's a rail a long island railroad spur that's right there that was recently renovated because it was kind of falling apart Mm. what they want to do is make that a year-round everyday stop on the railroad so that part is probably which is important because that's you know a key element to this whole thing is getting people from new york city and points west to islanders games uh so that part is probably going to end up uh, costing taxpayers a little bit because it is infrastructure. Um, the land apparently is being given to them uh, on an insanely cheap <laughs> lease uh, that's going to last 50 years, literally 49 years. <laughs> um, so you know, again, there are there are reasons to kind of complain about it. It's not it's not a perfect situation, but my feeling is, you know, they're footing a billion dollars for this this project. You know, name me an arena that wasn't built on super cheap land or given tax breaks and stuff like that. And I don't know if you could even find one, honestly. And I, the Madison Square Garden hasn't paid taxes probably in 50 years. Hmm. So they get their water free. They get their electricity free. They get everything free. So, I mean, it's just kind of how it is. It, it sucks, but it's kind of how it is. And, you know, frankly, as an Islanders fan, it's about time my team got some of these tax breaks. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sweating it too bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if, you, uh, if you talk about uh, Long Island politicians with a New York Islanders fan, it will not oh be a God. very pleasant conversation. Don't do it. Yeah. I won't. I the, won't. Only, <laughs> the, only people, the only people held in lower esteem than Nassau County politicians are Mike Milbury <laughs> and Kirk Muller, I think. Really. Yes. And, and the Rangers, obviously. But, you know, I think there's still a begrudging respect a little bit for the Rangers, at least. For Nassau, College, Nassau County politicians, not so much. <laughs> um, so, uh, so obviously you're you're excited about this, even though you know uh, I, I I learned over the years as a, as an Islander fan not to uh, not to get too happy about right. anything. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> because crushing disappointment was just around the corner. <laughs> but um, so obviously, it sounds like like you're you're overall happy about it. Would you say that the uh, the general feeling of the fan base is 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 the same? Or I mean, I, I'm sure oh, you're yeah. going to have some people that are complaining, but yeah, no, definitely no. I think people understand the importance of this uh john ledecky is already being you know hailed as the greatest owner in new york sports right now because he's sort of the anti right now he's sort of the anti walter o'malley he's bringing a team closer to long you know back to their home rather than selling them um you know personally speaking as a person that that lives in new jersey and works in new york city not being able to go to barclay center is going to be kind of a pain in the neck i I like going to barclay center it's it's a 25-minute train ride from my office uh, it's, uh, it's really close. You know, you can just get there, walk in the door and, and watch again. The tickets are cheap because not a whole lot of people go. So, I mean, uh, there are people that are like that, that are going to complain about it a little bit. Um, the fact that one of the Islanders, other partners in this is called the Oakview group. And what they are is a, uh, a company that sort of packages acts for arenas. Um, and you know, the idea is that they would help get other events in the building that aren't the Islanders. Uh, one of their investors is James Dolan, who owns the Rangers. So okay. some people are complaining about his involvement. Uh, so, I mean, again, it's not perfect. It's not – there's a lo- there's always going to be somebody – somebody's gonna, always going to complain about something. And I guarantee once the place opens, people are going to take one look at the ticket prices and the food prices, and they're going to start complaining about that too. The, t- the parking is going to be expensive, and it's going to be a pain in the neck probably. But – 
you know, again, this is the way it is. Uh, but I think generally speaking, people are happy that this is going to happen. And they're happy that the Islanders got picked for this because, you know, I don't know if it was ever up in the air, but it's good to finally know that this is the thing. And the, the press conference they had for it was like, I mean, it was almost like an Islanders birthday party. Like they had balloons and banners and, you know, Billy Joel was there and everybody was getting jerseys customized for them. The governor had a jersey. And uh, so it was like a party. It was like a celebration. And, you know, the real, the real work still needs to be done. But it was it was Wednesday was a day to kind of celebrate the team, celebrate their return and, uh, you know, get started on a new a new era, really. Absolutely. So, you know, like I said at the beginning, I'm really glad that the um, I'm, I'm really glad to see some positive news for the Islanders because this is a fan base that has taken far more than its share of lumps over the years. Uh, yes, I agree. Yeah. So. So. Anyway, so, yeah. So, so thanks a lot, Dan, for joining us to give us some information about this. Um, really appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. And uh, have a Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And uh, yeah, let me know anytime. You want me All right. You too. Thanks. All right, so our last segment today is we're going to do a little year in review, a um, little year end wrap up segment. Like we said before, we 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 started this podcast about half a year ago, um, but you know we'll obviously talk about anything that happened in 2017. So what Jay and I decided to do is we will each give a give three power plays and three penalties to. Things that happen in the NHL. It could be league wide. It could be player, indivi- you know, individual to a player. It could be uh, from a team or a general manager. Um, so, Jay, how about you go first? So, what's your first power play? What's the first power play you're handing out? On the 23rd of December, my true love gave to me. All right, this is going to air after the 23rd. I'll skip the singing part. Okay, uh, I am giving a power play. To the NHL on on behalf of their their jerseys, I think I've I've kind of been seeing some mixed reviews, but I got to tell you, I think the Adidas kits are really sharp. I really like the waffle board pattern on the shoulders, um, and then the, and then the Winter Classic ones that were just announced uh, recently. You know, ones for the Centennial Classic, and then the ones for the actual Winter Classic between um, Buffalo and um, who, who else is playing? The, it's Buffalo and who else? It's the ten year. Um, let's see. We had um, it was uh, Montreal oh, oh, and Ottawa the for Rangers. the thing, and then Buffalo. Yeah. So and then Buffalo and the Rangers. I think the Buffalo and and the Ranger kits are both great. I think out of everything that was announced this year, I think the Buffalo one is by far, by far the sharpest. And it stinks because Buffalo stinks right now, and they have such a really clean and awesome New Jersey. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so the NHL. Whatever you did to get with, I mean, Adidas, like, congrats. That's, it just, everybody looks sharp. And I like a sharp-looking league. I don't think the NFL has as much consistent quality. I don't think baseball has as much consistent quality. And I don't think the NBA has as much consistent quality. There are some standouts, to be sure. But I just think, overall, the NHL right now, all of their kits just look just, just stellar. So, that's, that's my first one. Pete, what's your power play? My first power play is... The Vegas Golden Knights actually being good because I took this kind of as a, you know, what what did I either enjoy seeing or what did I not enjoy seeing? And except for the fact that I predicted them just just like pretty much everybody, I predicted them to be absolutely terrible this year. So <laughs> I'm going to take a little bit of a, you know, you know, a little bit of pie in the face for that one, at least at this point. But as of right now, as of you know recording this podcast, Vegas is... Um, 
46 points. They are seven points up in the wild card. And, you know, we're starting to get to the point where it's going to be harder and harder and harder for these teams to make up ground. And so while I still don't understand why Vegas is good, um, like I, I think if, if Fleury hadn't gotten hurt, especially, you know, Fleury and Subban as well, like if they weren't playing their four string goalie for a week, you know, I think I could kind of understand why Vegas is good, maybe or better than we thought they would be. But like just the, the fact that that they're they're playing with almost no goalies, you know, for a long stretch of time is just baffling to me. So I don't understand it. I guess I don't have to understand it. But I will say that Vegas being good is actually an interesting story for the league. And so for that, I'm giving them a power play. All right. So let's switch to penalties. All right. So who gets your first penalty? Um, I'm giving it to the Olympics. Now, uh, I a little bit of a disclaimer on this. Um, it's kind of a so-so because I am actually very interested to see what a NHL list uh, Olympics looks like. You know, I'd like to think that something reminiscent of the Lake Placid days of, you know, instead of, oh, you get the, you know, it, think about the end of Miracle where Kurt Russell doing the, the Herb Brooks thing. We're like, you know, it's pretty strange how we have a bunch of these dream themes, but they don't seem to accomplish the dream. And I totally agree. I think sometimes there's just an embarrassment of talent on these where everyone's out to do their own thing versus coming together as as a team and actually working. But um, I think that the the reason I'm giving it a penalty is because I think it's just been handled so poorly because it's basically just PR crap. I mean, I know there's probably a bunch of stuff behind the scenes that we don't really get to see, but I just think Batman's language sometimes is a little too flippant and, and disregarding. I mean, I still like to think that the Olympics hold a pretty high... Uh, what's like a pretty high value of interest. And um, I think it's still a great stage to, to, to see some talent. I mean, I think the biggest success so far is Matsukarello. I mean, I remember watching the Olympics where he was playing for, for Switzerland and he's just electric. Mm. And then all of a sudden before the Olympics are even done, they're like, Oh, the, the Rangers just called. They, they've already offered him a contract. They want to bring him over. So it's like just in terms of the showcase you know, of, of having the NHL guys on that stage and then what it can mean to bring back. I mean, maybe that is a good thing about them not going this year, but you know, I, I just, uh, I, I like it when I see Zetterberg skating there. Not, I mean, I'm not saying he would this time around, but I like seeing, I like the idea of my players that I've been following for forever going to play for their, to their countries and stuff. And it stinks that it's just a messy, not, well-negotiated thing, especially when it's like, oh, if you're not going to this one, you're not going to the next one either. It just sounds like angry parents yelling at each other while the kids are in the sandbox. <laughs> and, it, and I just, I wish it wasn't that way at all. So <laughs> it, I'll be interested to see how it shakes out. But um, like, yeah, I'm okay with them not going. I just don't like how they arrived at not going. Like if it was just a professional, hey, all the players decided to come together and say, hey, you know, we'd really like not to do it, boom. But this just seemed like the uh, just, you know, a handful of guys who are in their positions of power with each committee just not being able to get past subtle differences and and whatnot, you know. And I certainly understand some of the arguments, but having marquee talent from the NHL not skate in the Olympics, it just it feels wrong, right? But you know, I think we'll see what happens. I mean, for all we know, you and I, Pete, will be playing for Team USA by the time this rolls around. So, should be great. <laughs> Your first penalty, sir. I was, I was just thinking while you were talking. I was thinking that um, I wonder if like the IOC is 
you know, talking about like the NHL, um, you know, like how parents talk about children and they're like, your NHL is on, you know, like, you know, they're like your yeah. son as opposed to our son. Yeah. Like, your son got detention <laughs> today as opposed to yeah. our son made the honor roll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My first penalty is the NHL not taking enough advantage of the centennial, like, you know, the hundred year celebration. Sure. They did do some things. Um, you know, they had the NHL 100 list. We've talked before. I've kind of basically snarked before about how, how ridiculous some of that list was. You know, I think they could have done a much better job with that, even though anytime you do a list like that, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Nobody's going to be happy with everything, but I think they could have done a much better job with that. Um, I think it was, I think it was down goes Brown was talking about this the other day that on the, the, the actual anniversary, like the actual anniversary, like the first NHL games, they didn't have anything like they didn't have any kind of celebration. They didn't have any type of thing like that. Um, and going back to what Chris talked about during, you know, our interview, you know, I don't think the NHL does, does a good enough job of kind of selling their history and, you know, explaining their history to a younger generation uh, as I think they could. And so I think this was a golden opportunity. Again, I'm not saying they were horrible. I'm not saying that, you know, they didn't do anything with it. I just, I think they could have done more and I think it's going to be a, a huge missed opportunity. Um, so Jade, what's your second uh, power play? This one's kind of a, a, a cheeky one and uh, I, I don't expect everybody to agree with me on it, but uh, my second power play, it will be given to uh, bobbleheads. I think they've increased in quality. Yeah. I think they're actually starting to look like the people they're supposed to look like. But not only that, they're kind of taking some chances with how they're being presented. Um, the foremost reason that I'm saying this now is that recently the Red Wings did a D-Boss in the dungeon bobblehead. Um, if for, for those not in the know, uh, years ago before Dylan Larkin became uh, a, a Red Wing he had made some home videos in his basement of just just shooting pucks into a net, you know, just kids being kids. But he had nicknamed himself D Boss, and his basement was the dungeon, and it and it caught the internet by storm. Uh, I myself uh, kind of came up with a little bit of a T-shirt design for it because you know snip shows in the dungeon, that's where it's at, kids. <laughs> and to actually see a NHL franchise uh, embrace a little bit of the craziness. Cause you know, sometimes these teams really do like to be super in control of how their players are, uh, portrayed and how they're marketed and stuff. And this had the potential to maybe kind of blow back on them. And, and I'd like to, and to be honest, I think it did a little bit, but you know, not really their fault. I mean, you know, fame does different things to different people. And, you know, I, I'd like to think that, you know, in this case, from what I understand, like the person who had the video just kind of posted it without checking with anybody. I mean, regardless of the quality of the videos, just like just like reach out. You know, But, you know, I think because it's a good video, that's why it stayed. But the Red Wings did a phenomenal job with the, the bobblehead that they made with it. It, you know, just the really nice ceramic uh, couch that he's sitting on to the draped over American flag to actually own the stick and having the inside out hat. It's. It's just supreme craftsmanship, and I'm seeing other examples around the league, too, of them kind of breaking away from the norm of just, hey, let's use the same body. He's either skating in motion, or it's a goalie, and he's about to go down in his butterfly. You know, I, I'd like to see more people get creative with these bobbleheads. You know, I'd like to see a, um, you know, a, a P.K. Subban one, but for all the times he's gone undercover in makeup. He, like, he recently did another Subban surprise video where he's dressed as an elderly old man. And I'd like to see more bobbleheads representing that stuff. So, 
bobbleheads congratulations you're coming along great keep up the good work um you, you and you've got a friend in me so <laughs> pete what is your second power play yeah just really quickly on the uh the deboss bobblehead i remember thinking that the the only thing that could make that better is if they had had a a second bobblehead that was a Trogdor one, and so they could have had a Dungeons and Dragons theme night. I think that would have <laughs> that would have been fantastic. Um, the the Burninator lives. Kid. Yes, the I I, I actually um, I finally replaced my Trogdor hoodie that I had about ten years ago, maybe even longer than that. Um, and I wore it to school, and some of my, a couple of my students knew it, which made me very happy. Um, which was interesting because I also the other day on Friday I wore the shirt I'm wearing now, and I'm not rubbing it in, but it, it is relevant. Um, <laughs> I, I was I was able to get a uh, a shirt that's um, uh, let's do that hockey from the the SNL sketch, and. I wore it to school and like nobody knew what it was. Like nobody had any idea except for like one person. So um, I guess hockey Twitter is kind of a bubble. Like because you know I had the impression that everybody watched that sketch, but maybe not. All right. So my second power play is uh, top teams flailing could make for a more interesting playoffs. You know, going into this year, I thought it was a lock that Edmonton was going to make a huge run to, at at the very least, the Western Conference Final, if not win the whole thing. It's starting to look unlikely that they'll make the playoffs. Like, obviously, with with Connor McDavid, you're never out of it. You know, they do have a lot of talent on that team. But I don't know. It seems like they, they, they might have dug themselves too big of a hole to get out of. You have also, you know, you got your Montreal's who who have turned it around a lot since the beginning, you know. But you have, you know, you know, some some of these teams that that um, thought they were going to be in the playoffs and they are on the outside looking in, or they are, you know, battling for a wild card when they thought they were going to be battling for, you know, the uh, you know the division title. You know, Pittsburgh as of right now is out of a playoff spot. So that would be interesting. Of course, we know that what will happen is they'll make the playoffs. You know, they'll, they'll be the, you know, make the second wild card in the last day of the season on like, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, some kind of fluke goal with one second left and then they'll win the Stanley Cup again. But um, yep. <laughs> because, uh, you know, we can't have nice things. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. so I do think that's going to make a make a really interesting uh, playoff run. So, Jay, what's your second uh, penalty? Okay, so uh, we all know that the the streaming rights and bringing games to people is is still a very hazardous landscape. Internet connection, logging in with your your uh, your internet service provider or your cable provider it's it's a mess. But let's say you finally get through that headache and you're actually just watching the game. What's mostly common in in and I know that's kind of a redundant sentence in the first place and my 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 english grammar girlfriend would probably hit me over the head with a baseball bat for that but um i'm i'm concerned with the non-variety of commercials (laughs) in streaming because unfortunately as of late i've been watching all of my video uh portions of hockey games via streaming services like fox sports go or watch nbc app and i am plagued peter i say again i am plagued by the Patrick Kane reading the description of the Stanley Cup popcorn maker, I, I I don't think I've ever seen a poorer made commercial to try and a market your star or one of your stars, b market a piece of junk that you're selling by using one of your stars, and just acting wise, it's just for. 
both in terms of content, but also craft. It's not made well. And I think if I just saw it once, I wouldn't care about it as much. But after seeing it for the 1500th time, I've now been unfortunately drafted in the war that is, please add variety, NHL, to your commercials on your streaming services, or at least get better people to make them. Because I'm losing my mind. I know other people are losing their mind, too, be that whatever their opinion of Patrick Kane may be. There's just something about some about him being so stupidly smug and like, oh, yeah, I've got three cups, da-da-da. It's like, yeah, well, you know, so do a lot of other people, and they didn't have to get drunk in a cab to do it. So that's neither here nor there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's 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 my penalty, all right? Just do better commercials. Do do better. Uh, Pete, what is your second your, your second penalty? My second one is teams not letting fun players be fun. For for Red Wings fans uh, today, Andreas Athanasiu uh, did did not play a lot. He he played. I think the last time I checked, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure it was still the same in the final the you know the final uh, stats. He had the least amount of time on ice at five on five for any Red Wing. And I don't know. I mean, I I don't understand why you don't just you know okay he's making mistakes that's great you know just just let him play more, um, but. He, like, like for me, that's not even the, anywhere close to the worst uh, example of this. That's just something that popped in my head today. Um, for me, like Joshua is saying right now is in the minors, and that makes absolutely no sense. It makes no sense that he is not playing in the NHL right now. He is uh, an incredibly fun player to watch. And this is just like, you know, we talked about before about how the NHL, you know, why they don't get, you know, the good ratings is you get these players that don't play the normal way. They, you know, they, they play a different style or, you know, and they're super exciting and let them play, you know, give them, give them a chance put them out there. It's going to be fun. Yeah. They're going to make mistakes, but they're also going to, you know, do some really fun, creative things offensively. It's going to help your team out. I don't understand why he's in the minors. So that's mine. Jay, what's your last power play? Seattle. The bright shining light of the North Pacific Northwest. Oh man, I, I I am so glad that that's on the verge of actually being a thing. Uh, granted, the only thing, the only news is that's concrete right now is that the city has agreed to redevelop the key arena site to house a team of some sort. But the the industry experts have pretty much been saying, yeah, this is a a a very formal f- front moving step to get hockey in seattle and i'm just overjoyed about it um i think that's it's it's such a fertile ground for for hockey to grow more especially since you have another team uh on the on the on the west coast that can um add just more more fandom to the thing i mean ever since so right now because like seattle is pretty much just you know, a, a two-sport town, you know, three if you count soccer. And I'd like to, and I'm not trying to make, say that as a dig, I think soccer still gets a bum rap over here. Um, and 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 I like to think that it still grows because the Sounders are pretty pretty popular there. But, you know, in terms of missing out on two of the other major sports, I mean, you know, Seattle has been kind of out of it. And, you know, with the prospect of bringing the NHL back and then maybe bringing the NBA back, it's just phenomenal. But I'm more excited that hockey is going to be the thing that gets it all started and not just like, oh, yeah, we'll bring an NBA team back and then we'll maybe think about an NHL team. No, the intention is to put a hockey team in Seattle, and I'm and I'm all for it. And I'm, I'm really excited to see another expansion draft where pretty much 
uh, all, all of Vegas's good juju will then transfer to that expanded team, <laughs> and then <laughs> pretty much they'll just keep adding teams. And for some reason, just this wealth of talent just keeps changing hands forever and ever and ever and ever until the end of time. So, Seattle, I know it's kind of a longish road ahead, but I'm happy to have you. I have my Metropolitan's hat ready to go to watch, and uh, I'm all I'm saying is your first night, you better raise a banner because you were the first North American team that wasn't Canada to win the Challenge Cup, which eventually became that little tiny silver trinket that everybody loves called the Stanley Cup. So that's my third power play. Pete, what is yours? Mine is a little player called Matthew Barzal because he is just super fun to watch. You know, every year, um, you know, I... I, I try to watch, you know, obviously games other than just the Red Wings. And, you know, with, with Edmonton, you know, I, I I typically try to watch Edmonton games, although they're not nearly as much fun this year as they were last year. You know, sometimes I'll watch Toronto, you know, just to see, you know, Austin Matthews and Nylander and Mitch Marner, you know, because it, it's not even that I care. It's not like I want them to win. It's just I, I think it's, the, you know, it's fun hockey. Like, you know, I'll, I'll turn on a game if there's a player in there, you know, you, Johnny Goudreau out in, in Calgary. You know, he's just fun to watch. And Matthew Barzal is is he, he kind of flew under the radar a little bit this season. And people are starting to really kind of pick up on just how good he's been. You know, he's been on a, a top line with uh, with Tavares. And actually, I'm sorry. Never mind. He's not on the top line with Tavares. Uh, it's, their top line is Tavares. Josh Bailey and Anders Lee. He's uh he's he's their second line center, and I just saw some stats today, and they have um you know the top eighteen for five v five points per sixty this season, and he is in the fourth group, right? You got Jaden Schwartz is is at three point seven by himself. The next group is Kucherov and Tavares at three point two. At two point nine, you got Patrick Kane, Voracek, and Stamkos. And then 2.8 is where Barzal is. And, and, you know, listen to the company he's in. He got Marchand, Anders Lee, Giroux, uh, Matthew Perot, Braden Shen, Connor McDavid, and Jordan Eberle. And, you know, if you got to see him the other day when, when he played the Red Wings, you know, he's don't, – don't worry. I'm not going to be sacrilegious. I'm not going to say he's, he's as good as Datsuk. But he does remind me of that type of player where he gets the puck – and he's just silky smooth with it. He can beat a player. He can flip it over their stick and then just make a little chip pass. And it's perfect. And it's you know tape to tape. Um, again, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's as good as Datsuk is, but I'm just saying he's that type of player where he gets yeah. the puck on his stick and it seems like something magical is going to happen. So I'm really enjoying getting to watch him. Obviously, except for when he's playing us. All right, so <laughs> we, we have one more each. So so what's your what's your last penalty? Evil, thy name is Eugene Melnick. <laughs> I know, I, I know, I had a different thing written here in my list, but I was just thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? No, he doesn't get a pass on this. Um, very, uh, the NHL just had their Centennial Classic, Heritage Classic, uh, Mega Extravaganza up in Ottawa. They had a bunch of really cool video filters, make it look like it was all aged and back and stuff, but. Some of the things said by the Ottawa, uh, what's what's the right term for this? Um, yokel. I'm going to call him an Ottawa yokel, that Eugene Melnick, because he said some pretty infuriating things, Peter. And you know the things that I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I, 
I, I don't know if there's ever like this is a Hall of Fame self-owned Hall of Fame, right? Like here you are. The NHL is like basically manufactured this phenomenal and 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 really what should have been like a, a, a crowning jewel in the uh, centennial festivities that the NHL has been trying to do. And I think I saw somebody even say like, listen, like reporters are there to literally like blow Ottawa out of the water with positivity to show that it's, you know, Hey, this is where the league was born. Da, da, da. And he's just, uh, it's just, it's, it's it's bad. It's just bad. He said, you know, he was talking about how like, you know, hey, if the it, it, like the team isn't, you know, doing well, you know, like we, I'm not saying we might have to move. I'm not saying I'm not like some of the most deliberately vague and infuriating language to possibly say, like, you know, like, hey, so the uh, the market here has to prove itself. Like the entire league has descended upon Ottawa to talk about how awesome it is that the birth of this league happened here. And Eugene Melnick is basically saying, yeah, but they still have to earn it. Like, mm -hmm. are you like, are you are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Like, are you kidding me? And, you know, like here he's he's basically like feigning like, hey, if the people aren't going to show up, we might have to pick up shop. And it's like, what are you doing? Why? Like, I have never seen someone look down the barrel of their own gun before like this. Never, <laughs> never. This is so absurd. And I, I just. There's already fans uh, uh, petitioning and, and sending open letters that he needs to he needs to sell the team to someone else who's committed to keeping hockey there, or for the most part speaking well of the team that the fans flip and love. I mean, say what you will about where they are and what their ability to contend is right now, or the fact that they have one of the top defensemen the last twenty years in Eric Carlson. It's I just I don't. <laughs> uh, it's it's really tough. It's really tough to see, and and it's just. I'm I'm sick and tired of people in charge of of these privileged and influential things just shooting their mouth off because they're not happy in that moment or whatever. Like read the room, bro. <laughs> read the room. So that's that's my penalty. Pete, if you want to chime in on that, I I I totally welcome it. But I just and it's like I don't even have that much like I like senators as basically as a story. I mean, I really liked Alfredson. I really liked when Spezza was there. You know, he gave us the great like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's the great one of the greatest moments in Sen's history. Um, but it's just this is just uh, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, and Melnick needs to to take a one way trip out of there. Yeah, I mean, I think you pretty much touched on it. I don't, I don't really have any, I don't really have anything to add to it, um, other than. Maybe if uh, if I get this room soundproofed and I can do some primal screaming, but um, <laughs> so so my last one is 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 real quick because um, you know we've been going for a while. I wanna I wanna wrap it up quickly. So my last <laughs> one is that in all the years I've been watching hockey, the officials still have not figured out if a player is you know going into the offensive zone. And the defenseman tries to stand him up at the blue line and the player chips it past him and tries to go around him. At what point is it interference? Because every night is different. It is infuriating to see it just like out of all the penalties for me, that's the one that I think is the biggest um, has the biggest amount of, of difference from official to official from night to night. 
Sometimes it's a penalty. Um, today, actually, in a game, I, um, I, I I hate to say it, but Anthony Mantha uh, should have gotten a penalty because Chara, had, you know, did not have the puck, and Mantha ran right into him. And yeah. I mean, from a neutral perspective, that's that's interference a hundred times out of a hundred, and it wasn't called. Now, granted, as a Red Wings fan, I was happy to see it not called, but just as a as a hockey fan, like it needs to be more consistent. You know, if it's if it's a, a penalty one time, it's going to be a penalty the other time because what ends up happening, just like with any of these types of, you know, penalties that are, um, you know, I mean, if a player gets hit in the face with a stick and you see it, you know, the official is going to call it. Like, that's not subjective. Um, yeah. But th- this is subjective. You know, how, how long do you wait? How, you know, like, how far does the puck have to be away? And it seems to be different from night to night. And the thing that gets really frustrating is that I can remember games this year where that really turned the tide of a game because either it was a penalty or it wasn't called. And if, you know, if the, the team that was um, infringed upon was able to get a power play, I think they would have really been able to make use out of that at that point of the game. But we will um, apparently never see consistency there. So, <laughs> oh, well. So just like uh, 2017, we're going to end on a down note. Um, but not really, <laughs> not really, because... I just want to say before we wrap it up, uh, you know, thank you so much. Well, first of all, thank you, Jay. Um, you helped me kind of realize this uh, this this foolhardy dream I had to you know to 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 have a podcast. And you know, you've been obviously so much so so helpful. You know, from the beginning. And you know, thank you so much to all the people who listen. Um, thanks to JJ who said yes when I said, "Hey, can I do this?" Um, you know, thanks to the people that listen and read and comments and, and, and all that stuff. Um, this has been a lot of fun. I, I can't, I could not agree with you more, Pete. Thank you for, uh, even suggesting this, um, you know, a half, half, you know, where does the time go? You know, it, it, it just feels mm-hmm. like just yesterday we were thinking like, what are we going to talk about when there's two months left in the summer here? <laughs> <laughs> like, how do we, how do we even do this? And it's, and it's been a really fun ride so far and I'm, Excited to see what the what the next half of the season brings, what the next year brings, and you know we've had some really awesome guests, and um, it's it's th- things are looking up. We we did not have to tank this podcast in order to draft a better podcast prospect <laughs> to bring us back from the brink. So um, that's been that's been phenomenal. Um, and to everybody who's submitted questions, everybody who's talk to us uh, just out of in passing and whatnot you know everything's been appreciated and we we look forward to bringing you more of the shenanigans that we we like to bring you here bi-weekly on the on the for sure cast and um pete i just i, I you know we, we we can't close this without our classic thing so sure it's 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 Folks, it's time once again for our, our time-honored tradition of the Doc Emmerich verb, the superlative, what he's ma- what he's made himself known for. And uh, I, I, I'm looking through my list here, and, and when we're talking about being a podcast and, 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 and getting a half year under the belt here and, and, and being able to have as much fun as we've had so far, I got to say... We really muscled this one. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we 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 really muscled this one. Yeah, and I'm moving up along the boards. Muscles past Lucic, <laughs> you know, down the end from the right circle. Scores! <laughs> oh my, it's a top shelf wrister. Scores, Taves. <laughs> like I, I just missed. Like 
I think Emmerich is at his best when he's in his just declarative mode, not his calling, but it's his declarative mode. He's like, muscles, pass, scars, <laughs> and like he, and then he just lays off, right? Yeah. Just let twenty seconds pass, and then he's like, "Can you believe it?" <laughs> Pete, yes. I think we still have to tell people where we are. How do they find us, Peter? Sure, yes. You can find me on Twitter at P. Flynn Hockey. You can find Jay at TheRoar underscore 24. And you can find our podcast at 200FTPOD. That's 200 Foot Pod. Um, yeah, so those are all the places you can find us. And like I said, thank you so much for listening. I hope uh, I hope the end of your, your 2017 goes well. I hope you all have a, uh, a happy Honda days and, um, you know, good wishes for a good start to 2018. I'm going to I'm just going to be wishing all my buddies up north a happy Toyota thon. Yeah. It's, uh, it's 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 the right thing to do. It's the uh, Lexus uh, dress to impress. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't even remember what that is. Or it's the no. I mean, it's it's also the very not highly celebrated sign then drive season by Volkswagen. So <laughs> yeah. it's um, to, to each their own. Exactly. And, you know, we want to make sure that everybody feels included. <laughs> All right. So, yep. so enjoy the rest of your 2017. We'll be back at you in 2018 with another great show. Yeah.